Welcome to Texas Tonight, a show celebrating and promoting creators and entertainers in and from Texas. I'm Alex Cave, and today I'm talking to Brian Ensign, actor, producer, director. All right, here we go. We are on. So Brian Ensign, and that is the correct way to say your name, right? Yes, it is. Yes. Sweet. So <laughs> you and I met um, about a year year and a half ago November. maybe even yeah november yeah so a little over a year ago at the uh sidestep shooting which was actually a as i re- as i recall that that was not the movie that was like a short film that natasha straley was shooting to pitch for for funding for a full movie yeah as yep. i recall uh, from what I understand, yeah, they uh, had a San Antonio Film Commission had a uh, a contest, and the winner would get uh, funding to do a bigger film. Um, That's right. When I asked her what was going to happen after that, she had told me that she wanted to make it into a a full length feature um, because mm-hmm. the premise was kind of um, from from Footloose, the original one from the '80s. Um, and then while we were at the premiere, I spoke to her mom briefly, and I was giving congratulations. Told her I really loved it. Um, she had told me some. Uh, she had some creative challenges and uh as always you, know, you have to cut things and leave things in and when it came out um it didn't it didn't go bad she loved it but it came out very differently than how she planned it and instead of doing a feature um it, that took her in a different direction so not in a bad way it's just sometimes she got in the creative process and she said i really liked what i was doing but it ended up taking me this way and she became very passionate about uh the documentary she's working on now she's currently doing a documentary on i didn't know that yeah, she had told me, so she, she won again um, when we went to the premiere for Sidestep. Um, they announced the winners. They chose five. Um, they used to just choose one winner and give five or $10,000. Um, this last year when we went, um, they actually chose five people and gave them all 5000 uh, She won last year, and she was a runner-up, and she actually won again because of how Damn, well the good film went. Yeah, it was really good. Um, and then on stage, uh, each person they asked them what they're working on. Everybody kind of gave their log line as what their film. And mm-hmm. she announced that she was working on a documentary about the border between Texas and Mexico and what it's particularly like for the people that live and have property. Let's say you have a ranch and you own you know, 50 yeah. acres or something. And part of your property goes across what that was going to be like if they built the wall or some type of barrier and it cut off your mm-hmm. land. And then how people felt in some of the, I guess what they call sanctuary cities or, or some of the other places like that. So, she, she went from being a little more um, passionate about the love story type of thing to being mm-hmm. super, super passionate about uh, this documentary. And she said she met some really interesting people and, and get that nitty gritty of how people's lives are impacted from it. So it's been, a, it's been interesting to watch her grow. So she's fantastic yeah. to work with. Yeah, I, it was a ton of fun when we were there on that set. I just remember two, three days just... Mm-hmm having a great time yeah so that's where uh you and i met along with whoever else showed up and um what have you been up to since then well um film wise so uh with acting i try to do as much as i can i have a day job um Mm -hmm. like most people do um i haven't been able to to take that leap Uh, the ultimate goal would be to you know go full-time but uh Unfortunately, it's not consistent or steady enough to do that. So yeah. I have a day job. 
I have to squeeze in acting you know, evenings, weekends, or, or take off of work if it's kind of a big deal for one. So um, most recently in, in January, uh, I shot an episode of Fear the Walking Dead. I'll be in season six, serious? episode five. Yeah. Dude, yeah, season six, episode five. <laughs> Thank you. So it wasn't a big role at all. It was a very small role. Um, I can't, unfortunately, there's a huge NDA. I can't see anything about what I was doing or anything like so you that. Can't say um, if you were a zombie or a person. Uh, I was not a zombie. I, okay. I'm definitely a person, but uh, I can't. Yeah, this very, very, very. I've never quite signed that many papers um, for for NDAs. I've signed NDAs before, but. Uh, yeah strict um, lock your phone in a box when you get there they don't even want to ask you if you left it in your car they physically we want to see it we want to see where it is and we want you to put it in here and we're going to witness it and you're going to sign it in and out um and if you have you know an emergency you can be supervised but they allowed no phones on the set i guess they have a really bad problem with people flying drones over and trying to see you know get any information yeah and then while they're there obviously we get to see um you know the story unfold and things like that but uh Mm -hmm. yeah very very hush on it. So anyway, um, I have a very small role on uh, season six, episode five of Fear the Walking Dead. Um, if the schedule doesn't change because of the current situation yeah. in the world, um, that would come out, I believe, between August and September. Um, okay. So I was able to do that. Um, prior to that, I did a I did a Ford F one fifty commercial for Ford Truck Month. Um, I, was, cool. I was just a construction guy, um, you know, driving a Ford truck, working working tough. Um, that commercial actually just came out recently, but. I think again because of the current situation, they're changing their their structuring mm. and how they're doing commercials because a lot of people aren't buying cars right now. Yeah, um, I've been I've been doing things at least once every couple of months, um, depending on what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, done a, did a few TV shows, a couple of movies. Um, last year, I uh, I shot a a film in Dallas called uh, The Haunting of Anea. Um, that's not out yet. Um, it'll be a, a horror type of thriller drama. Mm-hmm. Um, where I play a, a guy named Hunter Payton. Um, again, can't say super much because it's, it's not out yet, but yeah, I had yeah. a supporting role um, in that one. Unfortunately, in my spot, I can land um, lead roles. Um, and I'll, I have a lead I'm working on right now, but because of my day job and not being able to take off of work, um, yeah. if I was maybe waiting tables or doing service work like that, I could restructure it and then shoot for a month or something, but I can't take off for three months and then go back to my job. So I have to get really creative with what I can do. And I think I'm not the only one in that situation. Um, yeah, for sure. So um, I took off four days. I flew up to Dallas. Um, I, I did a shoot, um, did a support role, and then I was able to fly home. Um, and that was great. I met, met some great people in that one. Um, Gooey Gooey Michaels is the director. Um, really took a chance on me. I play a villain role. And I've had that actually in, in a lot of the stuff I do with the exception of where I met you. Um, yeah. Uh, I want to say three out of the five times I do something, I'm always the villain role. And uh, when I, when I, <laughs> I guess I have kind of an edgier look when I asked the director, um, I love asking, you know, why'd you choose me? Um, yeah. He said your body shots. Absolutely. And I, I really learned a lot from, I know head and body shots speak a long way uh, mm-hmm. for the character you get chosen for, but I, my body shots, I have kind of a leather jacket. I got boots on. I'm, I'm kind of in this oh, alleyway. Okay. And it was yeah. from a, a print shoot I did. Um, I just used them. They were perfect. And I, and I have kind of that, that edgy guy look. So got I got that little picked, gleam in your um, eye with the leather I do. I've got, I've got this, this not quite biker, but I've got this like bad boyfriend kind of look to me. So, and that's worked a few times for things. So I'm, I'm totally fine with getting the villain role. Um, my most current role, I'm actually shooting a feature film in San Antonio. Um, I play the, the lead male. The movie's called The Cultress. And um, it's about a young girl who, um, 
gets asked uh, by her friend at school if she'll come to church and mm -hmm. um, they meet the pastor who is me my name is Nicholas and uh, along the way um, you find out that uh, I am a, a cult leader and um, oh, and the story kind of unfolds from there um, but uh, I'm, I'm kind of play it's I don't play Ant, uh, um, um, David Koresh I don't play that character but think of David yeah. Koresh and the Branch Davidians very um, influential, very um, charismatic, um, mm -hmm. has a following, people that, that love him and, and he's promising a way. And then um, some things happen maybe that aren't so great. So um, that was interesting when I got chosen for that role because again, that question comes up. Um, I, they said, we'd, we'd love to work with you. We wanna offer you the part. And I said, great, but have a day job. And um, you know, how long is this gonna take? And being a feature, that's a huge commitment of time. And yeah. they said, um, actually, we'd like to know if you can maybe do it evenings and weekends. Is that okay? And I about fell to the floor and smiling. I said, that's, that's what I'm available for. I can't believe that. Um, that's amazing. Um, why are you doing it like that? And they said, well, the lead female um, is um, in high school still, and she has to be in school. She can't take off. Mm. Um, so we're working around what would be her schedule and then your schedule being the, the lead, uh, the villain, basically. Yeah. Um, so we need people that are available nights and weekends. And then he said also, um, fantastic crew, that they're also in situations where they have day jobs and they're not all taking off of work for it. So yeah, um, Jerry Garcia is the director. Um, Callista uh, Cornelis is the, uh, the writer. They're both local to San Antonio. They both have day jobs um, and it's kind of a horror thriller. So it works mm -hmm. out that everybody's evenings and weekends. So um, that was in the middle of filming. Um, I'd have scenes, you know, one weekend and then next weekend they're doing something somewhere else and then I'd go back for a weekend or evening. Um, and then, and then the situation hit and everything. Went. So, oh, um, yeah. So what, yeah, everything's. So that entire project is just on hold. I take it. Yes. Yeah. I get an email. Um, and I've, I've tried to ask, uh, some of the stuff I was looking at has been put on indefinite hold, which to, usually means canceled. Um, and he just mm -hmm. said, I'm due to everyone's safety. Um, we're going to put everything on pause until further notice. Um, and I said, I'm totally fine with that. Um, I just don't want it to get canceled because I'd love to finish the project. <laughs> yeah. I mean, nobody wants to, to know, scrap it in the middle. Um, so yeah, he just said it was on hold until, um, until things got better. And I, I think it'll be, it's his call, but I think that'll be a, a, a big community decision between all the talent and the actors and actresses because everybody has to feel comfortable and safe. And um, there are a lot of scenes in there where people are you know, very close to each other or interacting mm -hmm. and things like that. So. I don't know how that's going to go in the future. Um, I'm optimistic, but uh, I guess we'll see. So yeah, um, Nicholas Poultress uh, is what I'm working on. And that was like fresh. I mean, we're working on that right now. We're up until March. It, it froze in March. So yeah, there's not a lot of features shot in, in, in Texas that I know of as a whole, but yeah. uh, especially in San Antonio. And it's a, a Texas, uh, San Antonio native director, San Antonio writer, um, all San Antonio cast. Um, I'm not from San Antonio originally when I was born, but I've lived there the past 10 years. So, you know, yeah. technically everyone's from San Antonio. I don't think we have anybody. One person I think lives in New Braunfels. Everyone else is. is okay. So, That's really cool. I had not, well, that sounds, the name sounds vaguely familiar. Like I may have just heard it in passing. Um, other than that, yeah, I hadn't. Because I would do 48-hour film festivals uh, mm -hmm. with the yes. crew, and we almost always did, like, the horror ones. So really? I'm yeah. sure some of the people that I worked with know them. Might, yeah. 
uh, Yvette Cardenas is in uh, yeah. is in that. She's done a few of uh, the forty eight hour festivals. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'd have to go through the the cast and crew and see. Shout out yeah. to Yvette. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you know her at all? <laughs> yeah, I think it's the same Yvette. Really? I'd have to look out, but I'm pretty sure. So I met her on the set of Culturist, um, and I liked her a lot, the way her, her performance was. Um, so part of what I've been doing, being an actor and trying to squeeze that in when you're not working, um, mm -hmm. sometimes you've got long gaps of time where you're not doing anything. Yeah. Um, and that, that's just part of the business. And um, I love doing anything I can within it. So um, when I was in high school, I was in the media department. I walked around with the camera on my shoulder. Um, I did tons of editing for like the football team and the basketball team. So um, done editing kind of my whole life. Um, I edit videos for my friends on YouTube and things like that. Um, I said, you know what? So probably uh, October, November, um, I said, you know what? I want to make my own film because it, I can't keep sitting around waiting for someone else to do it for me. So um, I, I bought a cinema camera, bought a, a Blackmagic. Shout out to Blackmagic. Just kidding. So um, I, I bought a Blackmagic cinema camera. Um, I bought a, a couple of cinema lenses. Um, uh, I bought audio equipment, lighting. Um, I, I got a ton of stuff, all of my own money. Um, I paid for it all myself. And um, I was very compelled to, to make a story about a friend of mine who went through a really bad experience. And mm -hmm. so I decided, hey, I'm going to direct my own. I'm going to produce it myself. And I'm going to use all local talent. Um, so that's another project I've been working on. We were in pre-production. Um, that's going to be called uh, Pound Cake and Pals. Um, it's actually Pound Cake and gonna, Pals. Yeah, going to be a family type of children's film. So, okay. Um, in in 2017, uh, I have a friend whose name's David Sheriff, and in mm. 2017, Hurricane Harvey came to Houston. Um, yes. He called me and said, "Hey, um, I'm going to take my boat and hook it to my truck, and I'm going to go to Houston and try to help." And um, me being naive to the situation because I was traveling out of town, I said, "What? You're going to you're going to go to a hurricane?" And he said, yeah, I'm going to go help rescue people. And I was like, that's insane. Uh, you know, why? Not, not why would you want to help people, but just what compels someone to, you know, thousands of cars are driving out and he's the only one driving. them. Yeah. Um, and he said, I just feel like I need to do it. So David owned a, um, a motorcycle shop where he just worked on cars and bikes. Um, he's an auto mechanic mm -hmm. and um, went to Houston with his dog. He has a dog named Frank. It was an English bulldog. Really, really big, stout, um, you know, <laughs> threw his weight around. Really coolest dog ever. Um, slobbered everywhere and you know, face hanging great guy um he actually rescued a, a a bunch of people and in the middle of dragging a, a guy out of a water i think he was either hanging from a tree or, or, or in the water he was pulling a guy in and the dog went in and the dog was swept away and um and they didn't find the dog the dog no, uh, died frank. yeah frank didn't make it yeah yeah um oh, so they looked for man. him for days um i think fox in houston picked it up uh, made a huge story about how David was here out of town helping people he didn't even know and his dog um, was lost, tried to really help. And uh, a few days later, they found Frank underneath the bridge um, when the water kind of receded. So um, after that, um, the, the gentleman he helped rescue um, came to San Antonio, met with them. The news came, the San Antonio news, and it, it turned in, the news kind of went viral about this guy oh. who did this, this thing to help people and his dog was lost. Um, in the process, there was a woman, I believe from South Carolina, don't quote me, who um, wanted to give him a dog and, and kind of make him whole. And he was like, nope, I don't want another animal. He's very, very heartbroken. Frank was his best friend. Yeah. Um, and the whole time over months, he's telling me this, you know, I want to hang out with him. And he's like, just not, you know, lost a family member. He was very, very beat up over it. So um, yeah. he ended up getting another dog after time. And uh, it really helped him. 
Um, he got a, another white um, English bulldog and, and named her Poundcake. And um, yeah, so he closed his company, his, his auto mechanic business, and he started a nonprofit and he called it Frank's Way Foundation. Um, and he told me, hey, I'm, I'm opening a nonprofit and I'm just going to do animal rescue and humanitarian stuff. And again, I'm like, why? <laughs> why? And, and not, again, not to be mean, but just generally right, interested. Right. What is driving you to do this? Um, you know, and, and what's with the name Frank's Way? Like, what, what does that mean? Um, and he said, he said, you know, Frank, he kind of did whatever he wanted. You know, he, he had his own way. He kind of he pushed you out of the way and kind of just just real fun guy. He was like a adult in a children's body, you know, yeah. just a young bulldog. They're, they're big and they're fun and they're, they're playful. So um, he said, doesn't matter which way you do it, but you do it Frank's way. So he said he felt like he wanted to name the company after him. Um, the logo is a little dog with a heart and it says Frank's way in a circle. So um, after knowing him for a few years and getting to know pound cake, uh, my son loves to play with her. Um, I told him, Hey, um, I want to kind of do a documentary about you, but I don't really know how to do it. Um, I, I was looking for footage. Um, I contacted all the news media outlets and, um, and I kind of screen grabbed and, and downloaded all the footage I can from news and I wanted to use it, but I didn't have permission. So I hit them all up and said, Hey, can I use this in a documentary? I had a few say yes. So if you say no or why some of them wanted, you know, exorbitant amount of money. Um, and I was really looking for footage on, um, he's got a couple of when you when you reunite a dog and he finds a dog and he has it for however long and he gets a hold of the owner and he gives it back to the owner it is the most heartbreaking awesome thing you've ever seen i mean just brings tears as a grown man i'm you know i get choked up i'm like man that is so great so um i decided hey i want to i want to shoot something about this this is a local texas story local yeah. texas guy um local texas um you know hero in my opinion um and just the whole um, thing about it and then the loss of his animal so um, of his best friend um, so anyway I, I thought to myself well I can't really do a documentary because all I've got is a lot of shaky cell phone footage and you know rescue stuff it, it, it's good but I can't use it for what I want the quality right. just wasn't there um, so I said hey uh, let's change it up a bit um, why don't we make um, something to be educational and spread the word of what you're doing um, to more people and then um, all the kids my son and his friends all love their dog. I said, let's, um, I'm going to call it pound cake and pals. Um, cause I can't shoot anything with Frank because he's gone. Yeah. Um, I can shoot stuff with pound cake. Um, I want to use a live dog. Let's use a live dog. And, uh, I told a few people and they're like, you're crazy. You should never work with live <laughs> animals unless they're super trained because it is very difficult. Um, so, um, I said, uh, well, I'm going to do it anyway. So we went from having pound cake. Um, then I told him, Hey, do we have any, any more dogs we can use? Um, so he, he found three or four other dogs that he helped rescue on his own, um, mm -hmm. contacted the owners that are local and said, uh, Hey, we would like, you know, the, the dog that we helped rescue, can we use them in the film to spread awareness about rescue dogs? Um, and they were very happy. So we ended up having four dogs, all actual rescues that were just lost, didn't have microchips, um, found them mm -hmm. new homes. Um, we're going to put them in and I'm going to voice over, uh, them. And I'm going to have real actors uh, voice over the dogs talking. So I don't know if you've ever seen maybe Look Who's Talking from the 80s back with Bruce Willis where the babies talk. Um, mm, we're going to no. do something like that with the dogs. No? So there's a movie in the early 80s where they had babies. Um, yeah. And they would, they would voice Bruce Willis and other um, actors would voice over them talking to each other. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to do live dogs um, with actors voicing over. And the reason I brought up Yvette earlier is she's actually going to voice um, Pound Cake for me. Um, I've got some other actors. We're going to have one that's got like an Italian accent. 
kind of a guido type of sound um yeah like a country kind of guy and a young girl um and then um i'm gonna have some some children um, my nephew is a is a rising star he does tons of theater and things like that um so i'm gonna have some kids in there um some real live animals that talk and then um in the middle of all that um kind of replay the message of what happened i can't simulate a hurricane um but we're gonna have yeah. another scenario um so i got a permit to shoot at canyon lake we're gonna have a uh, nice. a guy whose boat breaks down and he, you know he's stuck and we're going to rescue him with jet skis and all that stuff so when i'm telling people hey i'm going to shoot a film on my own i'm paying for it myself um, mm -hmm. i'm using live animals that aren't trained one of them's deaf and i'm shooting with kids they're like you are insane <laughs> there's so much failure coming your way you have no idea um and it's been challenging but uh strangely the biggest hurdle for most people is is securing all the the equipment um, you know, jet skis and boats and all this stuff sounds very grandiose, except um, we have two boats. We've got four jet skis. Um, he actually had a company wrap two of them, and it says um, Pound Cake and Pals down the side with, oh, with cool. paw prints on it. Oh, they look amazing. So um, we've already got all the legwork done. Um, I've got a couple of friends that are going to drive the jet skis to do the rescue scenes and stuff. So we've got all the, in my opinion, hard stuff done, um, yeah. the stuff that would require all these people, and we've got some, a few stunts we're going to do. Um, the tough part, and even you know, I'm financing it myself, which has been a, a fun experience. Um, I didn't go the grout rant. I didn't do any competitions. I just said, um, I'm going to save some money and pay for this and do this thing because um, I feel like I have to do it. I'm going to yeah. help my friends in the process, both actors I know doing voice work, um, children doing scenes, um, and then telling the story all in one thing. So that's been a huge driving uh, thing I've been working on for the past couple of months in between shooting and work. So um, that is on pause only because I'm traveling, but that hasn't stopped. Mm. Um, just because I, we, we can kind of social distance with a lot of that. The animals have their owners and they're all kind of separate. And most mm -hmm. of the time I have to shoot facing one animal one way. And then I have to shoot another, um, do a little green screen work and then some on location. So we don't really have to be that close so I can still kind of work on that. So that's gotcha. been the, the most recent thing. So I kind of went um, acting to directing and producing now. It's been a, been a fun, <laughs> fun change so <laughs> and this is the first project you produced directed yes so um i've done a couple of music videos um on my own i know that's kind of a starter area a lot of people do music yeah. videos is a very great well, music place videos to start. are so, so much fun because you can do whatever yes, you want I love it. it's yeah it's a perfect starting point it's yeah. so much easier and more fun than so many well i can't say more fun but it's comparatively just like so much doesn't matter You're like oh that yes. sound that plane overhead it doesn't matter we're not using any of this audio so much yep. easier but so i've uh i've done a couple of music videos um a couple of probably two years ago um i was gonna go on vacation um to south america and i uh, uh my girlfriend was going with me and i said hey um do you mind if i recorded a lot of this uh, make a video like a travel video and she's like yeah sure um we heard a song before we left and I loved it. I listened to a lot of like EDM. Yeah. Uh, dance music, techno type music. Um, and there's a DJ I really liked. His name was William Black and he made a song called Take Me. Um, and the song is, uh, there's a singer in the song. Um, the female's name is Run. And um, basically the song's about a guy um, meets a girl and she says, I don't care where we go or what we do, just take me with you. So um, the, the gist of the song is just um, take me, take me, I don't care what we do. So. Um, we shot a ton of stuff. Um, I, while we were on vacation, I met a, a gentleman from Houston with his wife, and he had a huge camera set up. And as soon as I saw him, we instantly became friends. I'm like, hey, what are you doing? And he told me he's doing travel videos. So 
Um, I held the camera from him for some, he held the camera for me for some, and we kind of worked together on a lot of the shots. Yeah. Um, I ended up just making a fun project for myself um, that was a music video to this song. Um, and when I was done, uh, I spent a while editing it. Um, I, I went out on a limb and I, I sent it to, I got a hold of um, William Black, the, the producer of the song online. Mm-hmm. And I sent it to him and said, hey, um, I made this video. I really like it. Um, you know, I didn't have any plans to do anything with it, but I thought I'd share it with you thinking I would never hear from this guy, you know, not at all. And he yeah. messaged back uh, probably a day later and said he loved it. He was honored. And um, if I'm ever around anywhere, come and see him. Um, he said, if you're ever in any states I'm playing, please come. All right, so we should be back up. Slight technical difficulties, but sure. when everyone's streaming and everyone's having to use Zoom all over, I mean, the network can only take so much. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad we could still uh, still stay in contact like this. So, um, yes. yeah, just done a few uh, music videos and other projects. I, I shoot a ton of stuff anyway. Um, I like just just recording um, anything really landscape videos and, and music with my friends, um, you know, flying drone footage and stuff. So um, kept telling myself, well, I, if I have to wait on acting, um, why don't I shoot my own? Um, which is tough because um, I can do, I, I got to be behind the camera and I want to be in front of it, but I love being behind it as well. So um, I have a few friends that do videography and stuff. So we've been able mm-hmm. to kind of trade roles and it's, it's great um, not having to wait on everyone else's project to come. I can make my own. I can help my mm-hmm. friends that are actors. Um, I have a friend that does sound. Um, I got a friend who does video. So um, it's been great. I feel like um, getting into directing and, and producing. Um, yeah. I'm not leaving acting, by any way. I love doing that. But um, that opens so many doors for me to meet new people um, and really help other people. That's been it's really great. So I, I really enjoy it. So I have a, a question on and all that whole team production team they're all mm-hmm. from san antonio you said right yes yes the people i'm working with currently yes how how was it you found all those people um so primarily from acting from being on set um with mm-hmm. with them um met yvette being on set um the voice of one of the other actors um i'm on set and uh um so there's a place in san antonio um called the alamo city studios yes and it's a big creative workspace created by a gentleman i don't remember his name forgive me um he he bought a warehouse and built offices and a huge area in there where you can use as sets for filming um there's Mm -hmm. like a couch and chairs and lighting and um you can pay monthly to have your office there if you're a producer i think there's an agent in town that, that that that's their office and then he has all these creative spaces for collaboration um, and, and he's the sponsor, from what I understand, um, every month the, uh, the San Antonio Film Commission meets and they play um, short films made by people in town. And I want to say the 48-hour film competition, he helps sponsor all that. So because of this gentleman mm. who um, liked acting and did things, he does all this. So um, when I decided, hey, I want to shoot my own, um, I, I need more sets. I can't just shoot in my house, you know, my bedroom. I got to have some yeah. more places to shoot. I was looking for a cold environment. So I went and met him um, and was thinking about renting a space. Um, and through meeting him, he said, hey, I'm actually tomorrow night, I'm doing one of the San Antonio Film Commission local film meets. Um, please come. So when I went to that, um, I ran into Natasha. Um, mm-hmm. I ran into Yvette. Um, and I realized there's this great creative space where actors, directors, producers, um, crew, um, you know, gaffers and, and everybody go 
and they kind of celebrate this monthly and local film production. And I'd say that is, is the best thing to do if you're in San Antonio, at least to meet contacts. Um, online is great. The, the uh, San Antonio actors and Austin actors groups and Facebook yeah. um, are great. But if you want to physically meet people and talk to them, um, I went there and I was able to spread ideas. Um, I was looking to, um, I was looking for ways to permit. I mean, I can go shoot on the street, but I'm like, am I going to get in trouble? How do I do this? <laughs> There's a huge learning curve but coming with like, if I want to shoot on the city street, um, do I have to pay to block it off? Cause if you just take your cell phone out and shoot, nobody cares. If you have yeah. a small camera, um, people just think you're doing photography. Um, when you have a cinema camera with a huge baffle in the front and a ND filters and a, you know, wires to memory cards and this just large 20, 30 pound and you thing. You got the sound guy. And yeah. yeah. People definitely and stop. And that, and yeah, that'll yeah. have some different attention. So I realized a few times where I've gone out and taken my camera out to shoot some other things that I've, I've had a police officer roll up on me downtown. They were really nice and friendly. Just asked me what I was doing, but um, I had one guy say, Hey, do you have a permit to be shooting down here? And I'm thinking, mm. no, this is, public property i can do that and they're like no not really so <laughs> so i was trying to do it the proper way um mm -hmm. i learned in that process um i gotta have insurance um if i'm gonna go shoot uh right. even just my friends um if i'm gonna go shoot us doing jet skis and somebody gets hurt um so mm. i had to learn all that stuff um then my friend of mine brought up funding so each time i would go back to the the san antonio meets and kind of meet people ask questions, the San Antonio Film Commission is fantastic with um, you being able to throw questions at them and say, hey, what if I want to do this? Or what if I want to do that? Or what if I want to, um, you know, do I need a police officer there that can block off the streets for you and things like that? So I'd say one of the most valuable things in town with, with meeting these local people, me just saying, hey, um, this is what I'm doing. Are you free? Do you know anybody um, that can fill this role has been, been really great. So. so have they cleared, or last time you were there, did they clear out the bottom part of the Alamo City Studios? Because I think every single time I've ever been there, they always had the some of that where the bottom floors for storage for the haunted house, like right next door. And I think once I saw a production taking place and they had some space cleared out. But so I asked the same question when I got there. When you first yeah. walk in, there's kind of a lobby and there's a bunch of um, rooms. And then uh, we went upstairs. So he has a big open area called a cyclorama, I think. Um, mm -hmm. It's a huge white. Have you been up there? It's a huge I, white. Room. I have seen it. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to do any kind of commercial or something and you want somebody to appear in this infinite space, um, he's got this really awesome white room. So he went up there, showed me that, showed me a few other places. And then when we walked outside, he said, you can shoot all down here. And I said the same thing when I looked. I said, is that yours? And he said, no, that he shared the building with the, uh, the, the asylum next door. Yeah. And they do the haunted houses every year. So no, they still have that. He did say, if you want to use it, we can talk about it. And they're completely cool with me. Uh, okay, you know, if we need cool. to move anything around or use the space, um, being set up constantly to use, no. And I can imagine how much that would cost financially if people weren't using it consistently. It's a huge area. Mm -hmm. Really great building, though. I, I was amazed that uh, he was just doing anything like that. It's, it's great. Because if he wasn't, I don't know anybody else in town that would. Everyone wants to, but they need some, something. To you got to have, have a spot. Yeah, you mm -hmm. got to have the space. I was, the times I went, I was always curious, like, is the, so here's the space, but is it not getting 
used to its full capacity because it doesn't make financial sense for him to like it makes more financial sense you know you got to pay for the building mm -hmm. to store all the haunted house stuff and have someone pay you for storage or if that was cleared out would people start to use it more it's sort of like a chicken and egg mm, like yeah and I, I haven't talked to him i've never met him i mean i'd love to talk to him because i'm curious it like what because you need the space and i mm -hmm. i imagine like well if that space was more open and maybe even you had like some edit bays that people could just you know invest their money in buying camera equipment mm -hmm. instead of buying laptops and then you did some sort of like shared co-working space like hey, i paid 20 bucks 30 bucks a month and i can just go down edit whenever i want on a nice computer like if it was set up slightly differently would that make any sort of difference for san antonio i don't know but that's something that's I've, that's crossed my mind like is is one just waiting for the other to happen here but i mean it's great that that spot even exists in the first mm -hmm. place it, it is a spot for people to get together so that was how you met and assembled your team for your project was just from past projects you'd already met everyone at acs or yeah alamo city film studios yeah uh, it broke up just to hear there in the middle but uh i think you said um did, did all the people I meet from past projects? Is that what it was? Sorry. Yeah, for assembling your team, you had they were all people you had met from past projects or had already met through the Alamo City Studios. Yes. Yeah. Just contacts yeah. from going to those meets, and then I knew a few on the side. Um, I reached out to some actors, friends of mine um, from Houston and Dallas, um, and I got kind of that. Uh, everybody's really nice, and they they everybody wants to jump at the chance to work on something, mm -hmm. um, but since I'm in San Antonio, and, and this really speaks to what you said before, I've got friends in Dallas, I've got friends in Houston, and it's not that far, um, but Houston is three hours away, and if you're going to come and do something, and um, I, I wanted to pay everybody. Um, I think financially, the, the biggest hurdle in town is, is always money. I mean, that's, that's yep. it. So, um, but uh, asking people to do things for free or donate their time for film credit and things, um, a lot of people will do. I do it all the time. I love just doing anything uh, media-wise, um, but that's a huge commitment of, of driving and, and waiting and doing anything and then just yeah. hoping, hey, is this person going to deliver? So um, I've reached out to a few friends. Um, one of them is, is of a kind of a bigger name, but he's busy on another project, and he said, um, you know, I'll, I'll help you out. You know, there's a lot of ifs in there. Um, I had some other mm -hmm. people and I said, you know what? I really want to work with people that are local. Um, that way it's easier to, to gauge with time. And then this is kind of a homegrown project and I really wanted to kind of keep it in house. I'm um, nothing against any other cities. Um, I love all of Texas, but uh, I really wanted to kind of make it in San Antonio and the surrounding areas, um, yeah. put it out in San Antonio, um, kind of give back to the San Antonio Film Commission has really opened my eyes and helped me make a lot of context. Um, I, I would hate to just go to Houston and, and play it. You know, I would after, but I really want San Antonio to have that first um, or Austin or something, you know, mm -hmm. people there. So yeah, mostly people from the locals, both actors and talent I've met and then uh, just contacts from going around. Yeah, that's fantastic. Cause when, when, a, when you're able to put some sort of like special stamp on it like that, like, Hey, it's, um, so one of my friends, she was working on a project and it was like just all women, like this is just all women project or like when you're able to make 
make not just a project, but put like a certain stamp on it. Like, hey, this is an all San Antonio homegrown team, like here world, here's San Antonio. Being able to do certain, certain um, stamps on it in that way is always really cool to hear um, when, when that's able to happen. So mm-hmm. that's really cool that you were able to pull that whole team. Do you, I don't have an answer to this, but I'm curious, do you, do you have any thoughts on, or maybe, maybe it's not even an issue. Do you think there's any way to continue growing the talent pool within, I mean, Texas and as a whole, or maybe specifically San Antonio, since that's um, where I you do. spent I, the most I, time? I, yeah, I think there is. So um, I grew up in, in Southern California. I'm from Riverside. Um, I started around nine or 10 in, uh, in the, the Burbank area in Hollywood. I've done some stuff. And then when I moved to Texas, um, the reason I'd stopped for a long time is I thought, hey, they don't do anything here. There's nothing going on. Mm. So I went for years not doing anything simply because I didn't know um, that yeah. they did. It wasn't until probably four or five years ago when I had a friend say, hey, they do stuff like that in Austin all the time. Why aren't you doing that? And then I was kind of Florida, I thought my brain just was Hollywood and, and, and Atlanta, and that was it, you know, and some New York here and there. Um, when I looked around San Antonio, I thought, I know the Majestic does a lot of theaters in place, so I know there's, there's talent there. Um, I know there's been a handful of commercials, and they've shoot, shot a few features over the years, um, mm-hmm. but a lot of them were a long time ago, Knight Rider 2000, you know, 20 years ago and stuff. Um, yeah. it's, it's been a few. It wasn't until I saw um, some postings for AMC shot a show called The Sun, um, a couple of hmm. years ago, um, and and some other local ones outside of Austin is when I started noticing, hey, there's there's more people here that do that. So um, my experience with doing a, a few shows in Austin was it seems like there's a ton of both actors and crew, people going to film school there. But when I look at San Antonio, there's 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 some, but really a fraction and a tiny fraction mm-hmm. of of the talent there. Um, so after trying my best to try to meet and, and see what's out there. Um, I came to the conclusion of a few and I've really asked Natasha, I've asked other people, why don't you shoot in San Antonio? Why is there not that many actors and actresses? Um, San Antonio seems to focus a lot more on print, do a lot of pictures. It's a lot of models and it's a lot of females. Um, hmm. For some reason, and it's just from what I've seen, um, that may not be true of everywhere. Again, just maybe I don't know, but um, it seems like there's a disproportionately more amount of females that do print um, and not a lot of males that do much um huh. and then a lot of the males i see are more in the industry is always kind of divided like that some a lot of crew on the male side you know director or sound and then females yeah. more on the, the the talent side but i didn't really meet or know of a lot of actors or actresses um just locally that i could do stuff i think i could drive to austin and put a facebook post and say hey i'm shooting something tonight have people come out of the woodwork to show up um <laughs> san antonio it's just different so yeah um when i asked natasha um questions like hey this is we shot at uh, midnight rodeo before it was closed yep. i think we were the last thing to happen there um and i asked her hey uh, this is great that i didn't know anything about her uh, i didn't know where yeah. she's from or what she was doing you know going in I, I googled her just to see um and realized she had done a, some great things and she was she was coming up quick um i asked her hey uh why are you shooting it here and um and why don't people shoot more here um yeah her first answer was i live in san antonio and i want to same thing i'm doing get back to the community type. I want to do it here. I think San Antonio has a lot to offer and there's not a lot happening. And the second one she said was, um, which I thought was really strange and wasn't knocking anybody. She said, 
some people from San Antonio aren't very reliable. And I was like, mm. well, what do you mean? She said, people will tell you they're going to show up and not come, even if it's paid. Um, and I don't know if you remember the second day we shot, there was supposed to be 35 or 40 extras. And there were seven or six or something, you know, it was me. So we were changing clothes, facing the other yep. directions. We had people putting a hat on and, and, you know, showing their back to look like there's somebody else. Um, so the first day she told me that, and I kind of was like, well, I always show up, you know, I don't know why, yeah. even if it's, if, even if it's something I'm not getting paid for just for fun or for credit, um, I still come, but other people have situations. The other thing is, is they don't call. There's a lot of no call, no shows. If you get sick, you get a flat tire, you know, family members sick, whatever life happens to people. Um, mm. Typically you would call into work and say, Hey, I can't make it. Yeah. Um, she told me I had 20 something people, just no call, no show. So that, that really hurts. Wow. Um, when I did, uh, I was on a show called uh, Kevin probably saves the world in 2017. Um, it's starring uh, Jason Ritter or Jack Ritter, uh, the guy from three's company, um, his son. Trying to okay. remember. Anyway, it was going to be a, TV movie and um, one of the networks picked it up and made it into a 12 part series. It changed a hmm. bunch of it. Um, and uh, I asked, so Michael Juck is a local casting director based out of Austin. Mm -hmm. Do you know who that is? Um, Can't say I've heard that name. Yeah. Michael Juck and Brock Allen are the main big ones um, that operate in Austin, San Antonio. Um, and we were shooting there and uh, I asked him the same thing. Hey, he said he just doesn't get a lot of talent from there. Um, and sometimes you get people that, that don't show up. So strangely, I've seen an overwhelming amount of people kind of just refer to people from San Antonio, just not being fully committed and, yeah. and kind of not coming. Um, and, and that's unfortunate. So yeah, um, I think that San Antonio has a lot to offer. Um, and uh, last thing I'll say on it is, so uh, Ingrid is a, a young actress. She's in high school. Um, she's in the cultures with me. She's actually the, the star, um, the lead female. And um, she had messaged uh, a story on Instagram that said Children's Film Festival. And I thought, what is this? I, I went back to it and it said the Northeast ISD, Independent School District, is hosting um, a kids film festival. Um, to be eligible, you have to be between this age and this age. I think it was like 12 to 17, you know, basically freshman to senior. Mm -hmm. um, only children. And, but it was open to everyone to come. And um, I thought, you know what? I want to go to this. I want to support um, I'll come and check it out and, you know, donate or whatever. I'll buy some, I guess they sell con, uh, concessions um, yeah. to help support. So I was like, you know what? I'm not doing anything on Thursday night. It was only like two hours. So I, I went, I sat, um, there was mostly parents, a lot of supportive parents, friends and family, all the kids. Um, and I saw some fantastically awesome short films made by um, young adults, uh, 14, 15, 16. And I was floored because when I look at friends of mine, saying, oh, I wish I was doing that, or if I just had this expensive camera, or if I only had this, I could make something like this. Um, and I watched people in school um, with their cell phone or, mm -hmm. or their, their dad's camera make uh, great stuff editing. There was a, um, a kid who did a cartoon, animated all his own, um, did some computer work and things. So I watched young adults, uh, less than half my age, do great things, um, aspiring actors, a lot of the talent in there. You know, they had real acting, they had editing and sound. So when I started looking at San Antonio and I had this taste in my mouth of, ah, San Antonio doesn't really want to have actors. They are uh, mm. very traditional. They're very conservative. You know, Austin's got this progressive mindset. That's the only place that's going to do anything. Um, San Antonio doesn't want that. I feel like it changed my mind on it. When I saw the young adults, um, they, they're hungry for that. I mm -hmm. think that it needs more of a, 
some kind of cohesive place where that can be cultivated better. Some right. kind of, you know, the more film festival type of things. I think if San Antonio did more, um, more promotion and more advertising and had stuff like the 48 hour film festivals and the, the San Antonio film commission meetings and the, the small film festivals, I think you would see that there's a lot more, um, but mm -hmm. it's so sporadic and it's um, usually one or two people that um, I really don't see it as much. So whereas, whereas Austin, uh, people go to school there for that. Um, yeah. I don't know what UTSA offers. I think they have something. It's just not as, as, uh, as big there. Do you know if know. Uh, UTSA has a, a film? I'd have to I have no sure idea. And yeah, anything for film that I'm aware of in Texas is, yeah, it's UT Austin. Just like, that's it. As far as I'm yeah. aware. Hopefully yep. there's, I, mean, I don't know, maybe there's been more stuff just pop up here recently. Um, so, but I mean, there's, yeah, I don't know. As far as schools, that's the only one I know of. Really? So Jerry Garcia, he's the director of The Culturist. Um, he is helping, I guess he founded it already. There's a, uh, a company made called SA Casting. Um, so he's trying to make a mm -hmm. local casting company since all the other casting companies are out of town. And he had the same idea when I talked to him. I said, this is awesome. You're doing it here. Um, no one else is. You know, this will be a once in a, you know, however many year thing. Um, he's had the same thing. He said, we need some place um, some group of people to keep putting in that way we can attract more. So I think San Antonio yeah. has got the talent. Um, it's got the, the resources. It's so beautiful. There's a million places to shoot that are just amazing from downtown big to, city you know, too. out of town, South side. Um, there's fantastic venues. Yeah. Well, and it's, I would say, thankfully, thankfully it's finally started to like revitalize certain parts yes. of town. So like, yep. I mean, if and for anyone who lives in San Antonio by now, you've probably been to the Pearl, but mm -hmm. now like the Pearl's been a success. So now, like the South Essex, I know is sort of a developing art space. But like, it seems like, as far as I'm aware, that was kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, if you build it, they will come. And mm -hmm. so seeing Absolutely. other places starting to actually revitalize. Um, certainly around downtown, but some other parts as well. And hopefully, I mean, San Antonio is a big city. It's, yes, it is. I looked it up just the other day. It's still in the top 10 largest U.S. cities. Mm -hmm. I think it's seventh, right? Seven? I think, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds right. Yep. So, I mean, you got the missions. You got, you don't have to drive too far till you hit the hill country if you want. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have, San Antonio doesn't have the most diverse, like, landscape just because of temperature, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you don't have to drive too far to get mm -hmm. more diverse, um, landscape shots. I mean, we have, we have Canyon Lake. It's not that far yep. away. So like there, there is stuff and there's plenty of space, like as far as, you know, a studio, there is ACS, but I mean, all you need is a big warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. put whatever you want in it sound and, stages yep yeah and there's plenty of of people but yeah it's i mean it's saying it's all for not if people don't show up and that's just right. that's down to the individual person deciding i really am gonna like set time aside and prepare lines and you know just because it's not always just showing up it's right okay, you actually brought the right clothes as an extra. You followed the sheet that we sent you. Right. So yeah, it's, it'll all be for naught if, if people don't actually, each person has to do their own little part of like, 
being on time, bringing the right extra clothes if, if they yep. need to, and you know, actually knowing their lines if they have any. But I think too, shooting in San Antonio, I, I really going back, I've been replaying it in my head as you're talking, the, the mm -hmm. if you build it, they will come. Um, it seems like if more people would just take a chance in San Antonio, they can do it. I remember when we were on the, the set of Sidestep, the gentleman uh, to my right, there was a scene where we were doing a bar scene. We moved around, we were having some drinks and they were dancing mm -hmm. in front of us. We, we did lots of scenes, but the gentleman to my right, um, he took a bus from Dallas. Um, he, he said he didn't have a car and he stayed in a hotel. Oh yeah. And uh, she was asking people, hey, are you gonna be back tomorrow? You know, I said, yes, she said yes. And she came to um, a couple different people and everybody's got different life situations. But he said, yeah, yeah um, I can move my bus time. And I kind of went, what? And he, he took a bus all the way down um, and, and just to be in the film. So oh. that tells me right there that uh, people in San Antonio want to, you know, people in other areas will, will want to also. It just needs more, more production there. So I think um, there's a lot of talent and actors that will come either from there or travel. We need more um, producers, production, director type mm -hmm. uh, people to, to, to farm that locally. So has that been in your experience? I'm interested to see um, what, what, stuff have you done i know we talked about um some of the projects you'd worked on but have you done anything else in san antonio or have you seen anything coming up not since then uh i take that back i did another 48 with the same crew that i'd done the past three shout out to everyone on that crew um, you know who you are <laughs> well it's kind of like once you work together and you make friends and you're like well, yeah, I like you. I like, I like working with you. This is fun. Like we make this work. Then it's, it's, you just have that buy-in for the next time around. Right. Mm -hmm. You're like, Oh yeah, you do this. Like you worked great as sound last time where you mm -hmm. learned sound, but now I know that you know sound. So um, you, you, we went through some of those learning curves, learning challenges together. I actually joined them cause they had done uh one or two like the 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 nucleus of that team had been formed mm -hmm. prior and then they had done i think like two and then i joined and we did another four in total i think um but yeah it was like okay cool i know the nucleus of this team and we all work well together we have a great time so did that and that's been the only thing since sidestep uh, I've seen a little bit of other people working on stuff, uh, just sort of here and there. Um, I'm mm -hmm. sure that there is more going on that I'm not aware of. I certainly hope that there is. Um, but now, <laughs> I'm sure not just Texas, but everyone in the industry as a whole is kind of like, so what, right. what do we do now? Now with you know everything that's going on. Because mm -hmm. yeah, how, how do you get cinematographer, director, producer, all near the camera, with the cameraman, the sound guy, the <laughs> actors, all the PAs. <laughs> like yep. it's by, by nature, it takes an army. I've been with friends that just aren't or haven't been in any sort of production space and mm -hmm. will watch a movie and from time to time someone will comment like sitting through the credits, right? You just, those hundreds of people. And they're mm -hmm. like, wow, it takes that many people. I'm like, it's, yeah. it's yeah. the most people have ever seen on a set. It was a commercial. Did a Ford commercial? 
-hmm. and I looked up, there were 300 people there and I've been on different ones. I'm sure there's much bigger ones, you know, casting crew, but for a, for a commercial about a truck with five construction workers, there were 300 people there. They were carving the doors off and drilling into the frame to mount the camera in the windshield so they could get mm -hmm. some shots. Um, it, it, it's insane to do. And then I've seen other stuff with, with small amounts. So I was going to ask you, so I've yeah. worked in California. I know all the SAG rules um, as far as doing, being in the union. Um, I'm SAG E. I haven't gone union because um, mm -hmm. it doesn't make financial sense for me to do that. If, if, if it's not as much as the dues, go ahead. You look like you have a question. Yeah. So what's, I've, I've never heard of SAG E. I've heard of SAG. Okay. Yeah. And I've, so, I've had some of that explained to me, but I don't think I've ever heard of SAG-E. What is that? SAG-E. So SAG-E means SAG-eligible. And um, oh. I'll give you the best kind of way. So um, you can do non-union all you want, all over mm -hmm. the country. Um, if you work in a union area, like, like Hollywood in particular, um, that's union-based. So if you have one uh, major role, lead role, starring role, anything like that, you're automatically SAG. Um, you get SAG oh. rates. Union rates are a certain pay rate. You can't get paid less than. And then mm -hmm. it comes with um, some guarantees. If you have an issue, um, you know, you can have it addressed and things like that versus non-union where it could be free or, you know, pro bono or just for credit or meals, or they could give you 25 or $50 or $10 or $1,000 or $500,000. It's kind of whatever they want. You're, you're working with their mm -hmm. own. Um, for SAG, there's a minimum rate. You cannot pay below this or for this performance, you can't pay below that for this many days worked. There's a very, very set up structure. Um, right. When you do, you do one, uh, major role, um, you're, you're automatically SAG, or you do three minor roles. Let's say you're an extra in a hmm. commercial, you're in a background in you know, this, and you do something else over here, background. So those are three minors. When you do three, um, you become um, SAG eligible, and then, um, or you can do a combination of two. So back in the early 90s, there was SAG, and then there was AFTRA. Um, when I was on, when I was on uh, Days of Our Lives in 91, um, I signed an AFTRA contract. Um, so technically, um, I'm grandfathered in. When they merged, it became SAG-AFTRA. That's, that's what the term is oh, now, SAG-AFTRA. Yeah. So that's a mixture of companies. And then I think it envelops maybe one or two others. Um, when I went to the SAG-AFTRA website, you can punch in your social, and it says uh, not eligible. And, and when I talked to um, my agency with my contracts, and, and I've done other SAG stuff, I'm like, hey, why am I not SAG? And they said, well, they might not have caught it you need to send in your contracts and they'll validate it and then they'll make uh, you sag um and i said but if i go sag that means i can do can't do non-union right so the thing with sag is once you go union you're not not supposed to work non-union so if i go to hollywood and i do a movie i can't go to texas and do a movie unless it's sag and most of the stuff here is non-union and yeah. they do that because they can have a, a lower budget to make something happen so um if you do like what I've done, uh, where I've done a major role, but it didn't, they didn't catch it per se or count it. Um, yeah. I've had a, a bunch of other ones. I'm at that stage. So once you do three, you become SAG eligible, which means the next time you do anything SAG, you must join the union. You don't have a chance to not. You have to. Um, really? They will not. Yeah, yeah. They won't uh, keep playing that game of maybe. It's kind of like, you know, you test your feet. Do I want to do it or not? Um, uh -huh. After you do three, um, or one, you become SAG eligible. You have 30 days to do anything you want again, and then you must join. Um, and so it's kind of a weird window. So uh, the last one that would have put me in the three anyway, mm -hmm. aside from being grandfathered in, was um, January. I did a SAG commercial. Um, so now 
basically if I do anything SAG, whether it's a commercial, a minor role, a big run, I will have to go union. Um, and I haven't because it's a big deal. Getting a SAG card um, for, for a, a working actor every day is, is just yeah. part of the business. For somebody else, that's a huge deal, at least to me. That's always looked at as a life goal is getting a SAG card. Some people, you just get it right away. Yeah. Um, the thing with SAG is it's $3,000 to join the union. And then every year you have to pay union dues and it's $1,000. Well, if I only do you know, one commercial and two TV shows this year and I only make, let's say, 700 it actually costs me more money to pay my union dues than it does that what I'm making. It didn't make right. financial sense. So I've got friends in Texas and their goal is to, you know, I want to go to Hollywood and shoot a film, but come back and, you know, live here and stay with my family. Um, it, it doesn't make sense to do that if you're, if you're paying more money in. So there's a lot of financial um, things to navigate when it comes to, to union or non-union. And I get asked all the time, do you think I yeah. should go union? And I tell them, no, don't go union unless you have to, unless you're going to stay there. If you're going to move to Hollywood and that's all you're going to do, yes. But if you're going to live in Austin and you're going to shoot something in Florida and then Atlanta and then maybe something in California, try to wait until it's right for you, until it's a good time for you. Right. Because otherwise, um, you know, it, it doesn't, doesn't financially make sense. So, yeah, SAG-E just means you're eligible your next time. Okay. So then, so you're, but you said that you, you became eligible back in January and that it's for 30 um, days. Yeah. So, so you have 30 days to kind of do any other projects you want, and then you have to join the next SAG project you do. So um, the next, okay. Yeah, the next SAG project you do. So, so for you, whatever, whatever the next SAG project is. I do anything, is. I'll have to join the union. I will not be allowed. I think they make it to where, and this is just from me reading and asking people, because the SAGI is like a weird in-between, um, yeah. where it, let's say there's another project that comes up and it's SAG. Um, I have to, to join the union and, and do the, the SAG route to do it, which is, which is great, totally fine um, for me. I don't want to say no to any of that. But yeah. uh, the thing with SAG is once you join, you're not supposed to do non-union work. And 90% of the stuff I do is non-union, like anybody from Texas. Um, there's very limited yeah. SAG work. So um, it, it can hurt you if you let it. Um, and it can, um, has a lot of things to go with it. So um, mm. it took a lot of reading. Um, I really need to take my after contracts and send it in. And they'll, they'll probably just do it. But again, I'm kind of like, well, I don't want to fly under the radar because I love, you know, if you and I got together and shot a film. Or, yeah. um, you know, we did 48-hour film festivals and things like that. Um, with SAG, there's a lot of gray areas. They're like, well, you know, you have to get paid for your time and, and there's, you know, accidents and things. So um, it's a great way to help working actors, but it's, it's tough if people are just going to kind of do it on the side. Of yeah, that's like, you can clearly see the benefit because mm -hmm. we all, for all of us who love doing this, I mean, mm -hmm. it's like, well, yeah, I just want to, I want to be able to make a living so I can keep doing what I love. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But if, you're in Texas and <laughs> challenge. Yeah. It's, it's, challenging. it's yeah. That's can be a double-edged sword, especially now when it's like, well, why don't I just start my own YouTube channel and make skits and oh, then man. just do Millions. endorsements and do whatever the hell I want. Mm -hmm. I think YouTube is amazing because you can find anything on it. Um, mm -hmm. You can learn you can put yourself through school and, you know, in some ways um, yeah. but it's given people that used to have to work very hard in one direction um, you know, you've got very young adults now or anyone can, can make a whole business themselves in their house. Um, and I think that's awesome. It's def definitely reshaping the landscape. I think of how we know media and how we consume media. Yeah. Um, I make YouTube videos on the side too, just for fun and put it up and friends and family and other people can enjoy it. Um, and it's a great creative outlet to just make something. You can put a short film on there. You can put a feature. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting now you can just, 
have a business and, and market it and not even have to care about any of that stuff and do your yeah. whole um, production in there. So yeah, I remember Fantastic, uh, seeing, I mean, I was always into like video games and stuff. And so seeing like pretty Wong and some of the guys that were early in like pushing uh, effects for a YouTube audience and yeah, you have a green screen now and it's <laughs> you just paint a house green and make almost whatever you wanted if you then know more of some of that technical aspects of and I say that, I mean it takes more than just a, a green screen, but you yeah, it's it's amazing what you can do even and just not have to worry if you if you really didn't want to. If you didn't want to go that route, now there's mm -hmm. a whole other route that's open to you. Almost wonder almost needs to be like a YouTube creator studio here somewhere in Texas, just like, like a smaller ACS almost where it was meant more for mm -hmm. like YouTube creators. I wonder if anyone's going to do that. Cause I know it's weird how some things run in parallel. I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. that they're building like a, an esports arena in Arlington, oh, wow. I think, because there's there's a lot of tech here in Texas, mm -hmm. and now like you can't get away if you're going to do media, like media and tech are just married together. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if I'm pretty sure there's going to be an esports arena. I thought I read that not long really? ago. So that's here. Talking, I think so. In the I state, really? Wow. I could have sworn that it was they were going to place it between Arlington and Dallas. Really? Wow. I'm surprised they wouldn't put that somewhere closer to Austin. Huh. That's great, though. Yeah. So Only I'll because to, of the tech. Yeah, I'll have to double check that, but I'm pretty sure. Wow. That's fantastic. I think it's great. Anything like that is, is, is awesome. I fully support just... Mm -hmm. And anything pushing that direction is completely new. Um, I remember being young. I love my dad to death, but uh, uh, sorry, dad. I, I was playing games and he said, what do you want to be when you grow older? And I was like, I don't know, get paid to play video games as you know, a kid. And he's like, yeah, you need to have some real dreams. You can't make any money doing that. And then I see people on the internet. Now on they're Twitch, doing it. You know, and I love streaming on Twitch as well. Yeah, it's, it's, it blows my mind. So um, I, I hit him up for that a couple of years ago. I said, hey, remember that time you told me I could never have a career so making more money than all of us? So it's yep. insane so um very different different world we live in now yeah so i was going to ask you yeah so i've lived in california i know the structure and how things work there and the amount of money it takes to do a production and how the union works um i've watched uh atlanta explode in in non-union work that's where all the work to me now if you want to be an actor atlanta is the place to go because mm. it doesn't have it, the pay is all over the place yeah um and there's the risk but the dream of, of once of just, I'm going to pack my car and move to LA and be an actor is, yep. is like 1% now. It's very, very hard. If you want it, you can get it. Um, you know, you're going to wait tables and do odd jobs and deliver food or whatever. Um, but, but you can make it, but Atlanta has a whole nother world of they shoot the regular walking dead. They're the show shameless. I mean, everything you see is in Atlanta. You'd be surprised. Um, they shot Kevin probably saves the world. And when I, I shot someone in Austin, they shot the rest of it in Atlanta because of the, the, the discounts and the stipends you get from films. So if you want to shoot a yeah. film and it's going to cost X amount of money, um, they give you discounts on permitting. They give you a return. If you hire local work, they give you money back. So I know the Hollywood business model. Um, I see Atlanta's 
um, almost, I don't want to say opposite, but the, the incentives are, are huge. Um, I know Austin has very big film incentives. Um, I don't know what Houston's and Dallas's are, um, mm. but do you know much about that, that landscape um, to see as I was trying to figure out as well too, why um, San Antonio or more Texas isn't shot in general. And I know it's lucrative because it's non-union, but I don't know if it's, and, and I'd have to really research it more if the film incentives aren't quite there. I know Austin really, really does a lot. Gonzalez, um, that, that area, there's a huge, uh, I want to say rebate and discounts they get. Do you know anything about that at all as far as very minimal San Antonio? Really? And it's, and especially in regards to San Antonio. No, I, I don't. Um, I've talked to people here and there in general about Texas and that, mm -hmm. Was it like five, ten years ago when they when they took a lot of, like whatever was there then just got like drastically yes. cut like five, ten years yep. ago, I think. Um, from what I recall in in conversations a while back. And unfortunately, no, it's I, I don't know much of anything. I mean, I had heard about the San Antonio Film Commission like mm -hmm. breaking apart the grants to try to, you know, just I guess use the same amount of money, but incentivize more people. Sort of like, mm -hmm. let's try to help more. Um, other I think than that was a great idea. Yeah, other than that, I haven't really seen really any. I, I, yeah, I'd done a little bit of reading on it, not enough uh, to speak to it fully on this too, because I was trying to get a, a better idea. When I look at San Antonio in particular, not to keep targeting it, but uh, yeah. it seems like of the big cities, Houston, Dallas, Austin, San Antonio maybe El Paso seems like San Antonio does the least as far mm -hmm. as um, film and I'm trying to figure out San Antonio is bigger than Austin same size as Houston it's got 1.2 million they just did the census I'm sure we're going to hit 2 million you know if not somewhere close um, and maybe 1.87 I don't know I'm just guessing but it's got a ton of people in it why are there not more films shot here so I did a little bit of reading um, like you did that there were uh, some incentives that they used to give um, that might have changed. I don't know if it was state related or, or percentages. And I know um, from t talking to the San Antonio Film Commission, they have, and, and I've looked on their site even before this, just so I could get a refresher on it. They do have an incentives and bonuses. Um, but what I haven't done is compared that to other places to see if it's competitive. I know they have advantages. Um, I know there's a ceiling. If I produce a short film for $10,000 or 5,000, I don't think you can get any of that. You need to produce like a hundred, I think it's a hundred grand or something it has to be a major, major you know, film yeah. production to get some of that benefit back. Um, so we're talking major um, studios, but uh, I'm wondering if, if changing that, I don't know if it's something people can vote on or if that was automatically done. Um, I know I read the same thing you did a few years back. They, they had these funding and they, they said it either wasn't getting used or they needed it better somewhere else. So they, they changed the way it was and they really uh -huh. depleted that um, incentive. Um, and I think they used it for, for something else helpful. Um, but uh, there, there wasn't as much incentive to come. So, yeah, I, I just wondered what your opinion was as well on, on uh, why there isn't more done, I guess, in the state. Largely just uninformed. Outside of Boston. Yeah, just uninformed. Is that what it? Okay. Yeah, I don't know a whole lot. Cause, but when I think of it, I'm like, I mean, <laughs> there's so many ranches. Like, you just pay Man. someone – they'll be more than happy to let you bring out a whole film crew and, and shoot mm -hmm. whatever you want. Um, I'd imagine as long as you're not, you know, everyone, a lot of people got cattle, but yeah. other than that, as long as you don't disrupt the cattle, Lots of insurance, and yeah. <laughs> maybe that's, maybe there's a lot there that I'm missing, but mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, there's, it's like space. 
I mean, like when it comes to a studio, you, you have the benefit of, so yeah, New York, LA, Georgia. Well, you already have studios there. Mm-hmm. But there's no shortage of space to plop a studio. Oh, yeah. Here somewhere in, and Austin kind of makes the most sense just because like everywhere else, it's the middle, the, the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there's already some film studios there. But if a studio, if, a, if it's just a big warehouse, it does take investment money, but then you got space. I mean, you got lots of space. There's no shortage yeah. of space. Yeah. So yeah, it's like there, there's gotta be something else. And I think talent too. I try to pull from local talent. Hollywood, a lot of people live there. Mm-hmm. Um, San Antonio, I don't know that the talent pool is huge. I know there's, there's fantastic talented people but i don't know that that's a lot too so i don't know yeah. if it's seems like it's missing both um i'd need to you know what i really need to do when later on i'm gonna so at, at some point atlanta decided we're gonna be a, a powerhouse an elephant in the room to compete and because i never thought of atlanta doing anything until the last few years and i'm like wow everything's getting shot there now so it's yeah. something changed over there and i think that's the key to try to figuring out what happened um mm-hmm. You know, I don't think it was one guy moved over there and just bought, bought the whole town and said, we're moving everybody from Hollywood. And it's like something changed, you know, groups of people or something like what we're trying to do or we're talking about. Yeah. Um, I'd be very interested to see, uh, that'd be a great documentary. How did Atlanta become uh, Hollywood 2.0? There, there you go. You that's, go. Your, that's your idea. So that, that's it. <laughs> Atlanta. Um, something happened over there to, to do that. And I'm, it didn't happen overnight, but I'd be interested mm-hmm. to see um, what they did to, to bring that. So if you... Um, if more stuff was shot in Texas. So I was, when I talked to my agent about shooting things, um, so the agencies can only do work in the state that they're licensed in. Um, mm-hmm. Back before, I had an agent when I was a kid, but my mom managed all that. One, and then I went through a gap. And then as I just got another one recently, a few years ago, um, Lily's been fantastic with working with my schedule because I don't have open. Yeah. And that's pretty much a staple with acting. Um, I asked her, hey, um, I had a friend who's going to get on NCIS. And I'm like, hey, I want to do that. Can you, you know, get me on audition? And she's like, well, um, that's in Louisiana. And I'm like, okay, so? And she's like, well, I'm not licensed in Louisiana. And I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that, you know, this is the stuff you don't see behind the scenes. I, I didn't know that you had to do it like that. She said, if you can you land yourself an audition, I can support you and things like that. I can do some of the legwork, but I can't uh, do business out of state um, without mm. being licensed there. And then I was joking. I said, well, go get your license there anyway. It was kind of a joke, but uh, <laughs> so I... Oh, you're back. You oh, there back. we go. I was talking to myself, so um, I'll go back. So I uh, wasn't sure what cut off. So um, I had asked my agent, um, why is it every once in a while, you know, you can find a good movie deal here in town. And AMC has been really great with shooting um, in Texas. They did The Sun with Pierce Brosnan. They've done Fear the Walking Dead. Um, they've, done, they've done a few projects. So um, it's been great to be able to work with some of those bigger companies locally. But I asked her, hey, why why do we not see more here? Same questions you had. And she said, Texas yeah. is mostly a commercial market. You're going to see a lot of commercials, television mm-hmm. shows, um, tech. Austin does a lot of things for Google, um, Microsoft. Um, they shot a Teams um, competitor of what we're using right now is a video chatting application and work chat. Um, mm-hmm. They shot that here. So she said, it's mostly a commercial and marketing market. And that's another thing I really need to look into. I'm like, Texas is massive. We have such history here. I mean, mm-hmm. Westerns and 
and all kinds of stuff. Um, I, I just did Spindle Top last year. That was a, about the first oil in Texas. We did a short film and that, that opened my eyes to a whole new world. Um, I was trying to figure out why more films and she just said, I don't know. It's just a, uh, it's a marketing friendly uh, commercial and print focused um, state, which I thought was weird because there's, I feel like there's so much more to offer as far as yeah. films and there's stuff that's shot here, but um, yeah, it was interesting how that was said. Most of what you're going to get, you know, when I first signed back on was, uh, was commercials and print. Mm -hmm. I was like, really? It's really strange. So Texas. That's what I had heard primarily heard that? Dallas. Really? There's so many corporate headquarters like up in Plano and just mm -hmm. particularly north of Dallas. Um, that's the explanation that I've had that I've, that I've been given mm -hmm. um, that there's just a ton. There's a lot of corporate headquarters up and around Dallas, um, but mm -hmm. Dallas particularly. And so they got their headquarters there. So all those decisions on marketing are being made. And so they just ah. go ahead and shoot in and around Dallas there. Um, that's what I've been told. But um, that makes sense. yeah, which I mean, if you're flow from what is it? What are those commercials? Progressive. Progressive. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I heard from people like, yeah, sometimes the the commercial stuff pays really good. And then if you're getting like residuals, I was like, what? Yes. It does. The commercial market about? in Texas is, especially if it's SAG or union. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. If you can get some of the roles, yeah, you get royalties and that, that keeps paying. So with commercials though, they have a, a runtime. So it's typically six months. Mm -hmm. um, they pay you. And then uh, if it's doing really well, they'll extend it. Um, and I think there's a max on most contracts of two years and then they have to hmm. renegotiate. Um, so they don't have any perpetuity, usually on print, but not commercials. Um, hmm. So it's good, but it cuts off. There is a, a window there. Yeah. Well, and then, yeah. But if you could become like the face of like the wow. commercial series, because mm -hmm. they had a Dunkin' Donuts did like Frank or something. The this was a while back, but they did um, the the guy who was the baker, and like the thing was every day he'd get up and go make the donuts. But apparently it was like they found their guy and then they just stuck with him. I think for like almost ten years or something. Yeah. And he was like That's the great. guy. I know Flo. She's been doing progressive for years. Do you remember, was it 90s or 2000s? Do you remember the guy that said, dude, you're getting a Dell? Remember that guy? You ever see those commercials for Dell? He was a younger guy and, and it kind of was catering to the younger market. People were saying, hey, what kind of computer do you want? And he'd say, dude, you're getting a Dell. I remember stuff like that where people can, can be the almost the face of the company. I remember Dell from that guy. I don't remember it, that one, but I remember the Mac commercials with. Oh, I'm a pack. You're a PC. Yeah. Yeah, the PC was yeah. Always dressed yeah. up and the Mac was like casual. Yeah. And I know the actor's name. I just can't remember it. Mm -hmm. I think Verizon moments. did the same thing for years. They had the. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I haven't really seen aside from progressive. I think you're right. I think that used to be more of a thing 10 years ago mm -hmm. of like this person's the face. I don't know if that's true or not, but I agree. I kind of have that general impression that that used to be more of a thing. Yeah. I wonder, I was, I was thinking of this when I saw some of the controversy with Subway and Jared. Yeah. Um, if, if they put their eggs in one basket and you've got a person that's a face of the company, they have to be perfect almost. You know, if they, mm -hmm. they get arrested for drunk driving or they, they stub their toe or something that 
could hurt the image of the company. And I've always wondered if they change people to avoid that, or if they go with a mm -hmm. mascot, like Geico has been very successful using a character that they can completely control. Yeah. Yeah. That's, very interesting. That's a really good point. You limit liability to the company as a whole from that particular person and whatever choices they make. Oh, yeah, that, great. that could be. Great role. Imagine being known to have done any movies or TV and then, <laughs> and then you're, you're the most popular face in the country for doing a you know, product or something. So I, that'd be fantastic. I think it'd be great. Yeah. I wonder, um, I wonder what their contracts are like, if they can go do uh, like a TV show or something like that. I don't know. That's a really good question. Yeah. I've never, I'd have to look into I've always wondered, like, did, did the Verizon guy go do a movie or has, you know, oh, yeah. uh, or anything like that? <clears throat> so speaking of TV shows, how was it that you, as a kid, were on a soap opera? Because I was unaware of that till right before we started <laughs> recording and you told me, I was really? like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you are in days um, of our lives. Yeah. So funny story. So um, I'll have to start a little bit before that so it'll make sense. Um, yeah. So I think I was eight or nine. Um, my mom took a picture of me, like a little wallet sized picture. Mm -hmm. She mailed it back then. You had to mail things um, into um, a beauty pageant place. Uh -huh. And um, at the mall, they were having runway models where they come down and turn and show their clothing and come back. And we were, yeah. she took me to the mall and we're standing there. And I'm, I think, eight or nine, wanting to go to KB Toys or whatever was there. And I'm like, let's go. And she's like, no, just wait. And I'm watching these people and clothing that I didn't particularly like as a kid and and I'm like why are we here and she's like just wait just wait and they get done and they announce some other awards um when they're done they announce best walk best smile of these models and then they said um for our final award um we have Mr. Photogenic and they put on a projector a picture of me at eight or nine years old and I was mad at my mom and embarrassed <laughs> and I wanted to leave I was furious and my mom was happy and clapping and she's like I had to go on stage and they gave me this trophy and stuff and uh, I had no idea it was coming my mom did not tell me that I remember um, yeah so um, that was the first time I did anything public like that and uh, I, I didn't like it I was very upset with her for kind of blindsiding me and she was so encouraging um, so short while after that we're in the mall and I have twin sisters. I'm about seven, eight years older than my sisters, and my sisters are twins, and I have a brother also. Mm -hmm. um, so I have sisters that are twins. They're in a stroller, and um, we're in a store, um, in a jewelry store. My mom's getting her ring fixed or something, or cleaned, or her necklace, I can't remember. This lady walks up, I remember this really well. This lady walks up and says, are those twins? My mom said, yeah, and she said, here's my card, call me. And my mom was like, what? She's like, please call me. Your kids would be great in TV and film. And my mom was like, whatever, this is probably a scam. Puts it in her pocket, um, goes home. Remember asking her, you know, what's that? She said, nothing, just somebody trying to sell me something. So we get home. I think a few days went by and I remember my mom being on the phone with my aunt. She said, you know, the weirdest thing happened to me. We're at the, the, the jewelry store and I'm getting my, my ring fixed or necklace or cleaned. I can't remember. And, uh, and this lady walked up and gave me her card and said, um, your children would be great in, in television. And she said, what? She said, did you call it? And my mom was like, no, I didn't call it. It's probably a scam or something. She said, well, what's on the card? So my mom gets her purse and I'm there watching TV or something. And my mom loves telling the story. She said she opened, she didn't even look at it. Takes the card and turns it. She said, it says uh, Mary Grady Agency. She's like, Mary Grady, as in MGA. 
call it. So my mom's like, you think I should? And she's like, yes, it's MGA Studios. You need to call it tomorrow. So um, I didn't know anything about it. My mom didn't know anything about it. Um, so Mary Grady Agency is an agent that represents probably the biggest agency in, in the country that represents mm. children actors, 13 and under. Um, I don't know how many. You could Google Mary Agency actors and see tons of people famous from, from Hollywood that, that are hugely known now, the top one percenters that were Mary, agent, Mary Grady when they were younger. So yeah. um, huge agency has been around for a long time. Um, uh, my mom called it and they said, come in. She told him the story. This, this lady met us. Um, it's kind of bouncing. Um, she said, come in. So uh, we, we go to NBC Studios in Burbank. Um, mm -hmm. they, they, they set us up to go to audition. Um, I didn't know much about it at the time. We get into this big room that's just lines of chairs. I was back and forth. Uh, and everybody stands up. They walk down and they sit down. And then the next person goes, they stand up and sit down. Um, right when we walked in, they gave me a piece of paper. And they said, um, they're going to ask you to say this when you get to the front. Um, just keep it with you in your hand and read it when they ask you to. Um, and don't memorize it. My mom said, okay. I had my sisters, my brother, and me. So my mom has four kids. Mm -hmm. um, I'm nine. Um, my brother's three. And my sisters are like one or two. Um, kids are crying. It's super loud. Um, it's just a madhouse. It's hot. There's a oh thousand gosh. people in there. So we get all the way to the front. or We get about halfway. And my mom says, I want you to read this, read it with me. And I, I'm reading, she said, memorize it. I want you to not be able to have to hold this paper. And I said, no, no, the lady just told me not to remember it. She said, yeah, but you're going to do it. I said, all right. I was kind <laughs> of arguing. I said, but they're, they're going to get mad. And you know what? This is probably the best decision I've ever made because I, I still do this today. Uh, it was only two lines. I had a line, they had a line, I had a line, they had a line. And then I said something funny. Um, so this was an audition. I want to say for Chef Boyardee, the... Yeah, yeah. So, um, and it was like, uh oh, Biscadio at the end, that kind of deal. Yeah. Um, there's some lines. So, um, reading, we're reading, we're reading. It comes time to the front. Uh, my mom pushes my best I remember. My mom pushes my sisters up, and there's a there's a table with a bunch of people, you know. And they mm -hmm. say next, and you stand up and you do your thing, and they say go this way. If they like you, it was go this way to this door. Yeah. And if they didn't like you, they just said please go this way. And that was the the win or lose kind of thing. Um, thank you for your time. Don't call us. We'll call you. And it's very harsh there. Um, it's very cutthroat. Or um, please come over here. We'd like to fill some paperwork. And I didn't know much else going on. So we get up. My mom pushes the stroller. They kind of stood up and said, are those twins? And my mom was like, yes. They instantly go, go this way. It was instantly what? yes. Because in California, um, children cannot work. It's, there's child labor laws. Right. Um, when you're a child, between under the age of 12, and don't quote me, it, yeah. Get you on my child labor laws. Um, I'm brushing up on them because I'm using children in mine, um, but, but I haven't started shooting them yet, so I'll, I'll know. Um, so they can only be on screen or work because um, acting is working a maximum amount of so much time a day. I, I don't remember mm. the California laws. Let's pretend it's two hours, but it takes that much time to set up, you know, and get yeah. going action, all that stuff. So they can only be on set X amount of time. So my sisters played one, I don't get to it, one character and they swapped them out. So when yeah. you have twins, you can swap them out, just like Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen in Full House, same thing. You yeah. swap them, and because you get so much screen time, and when they're running out of time, they swap, you can work long days and, and not have to hit that liability. So yep. that's why twins are highly desired in any kind of um, acting scenario, because yeah. of the amount of time that they can be on set. So um, we get up to the front. They say, go this way with my sisters. Um, my brother, um, they looked at him. He wasn't old enough to talk. 
Um, they said, yeah, he's kind of cute. It was like a, we don't know, maybe, um, you know, he's mm -hmm. cute, but can he, can he talk yet? He was just at a weird age. Couldn't yeah. speak full sentences. He's too young. He had trouble standing up. Um, they're kind of like, eh, you know, they wanted to send him one way, but, but just keep him here. And they, they were kind of like next. Um, they, they didn't even take time to really talk too much. It was just hurting, hurting cattle, Beijing, go over here. And then you get to talk to the important people. So when I got up there, um, I, I was kind of standing there frozen because my mom's going this way. And I'm like, well, what do I do? And they're looking at me like, can we help you? I said, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm supposed to do this thing. Um, and they said, well, where's your paper? And they said, oh, she has it. And my mom's going like this. And I said, I was, I was really stunned. And she said, she said, he doesn't need it. And I was like, okay. So they said, we told you not to memorize it. And my mom throws out this line. Yeah, he doesn't have to. He just remembers it when he looks at it. And she gave them this impression that I had this kind of almost photographic memory, even though I don't. She really sold yeah. it to them for me. And they were kind of like, okay. So they, I said the line. They said their line. I said my line. And then at the end, I did this. She told me to do this little, little thing at the end. Just be really ridiculous. <laughs> so I went, da-da. And they laughed. And they said, go this way. Um, and then when I got over there, they said they really liked you because you memorized And I, again, Go, I told mom. Them, I thought you said not to do that. And my mom, I guess she had already talked to somebody and thought yeah. that was a great idea. So um, I use that in auditions today. Um, they always tell you when you go to an audition, you always carry your paper with you. You're supposed to always have it for reference. You don't want to leave it and be that brazen. You take it yeah. with you in case you lose your place. But um, always memorize your audition line. Try your best. Because you, if you can sell off that you know it instead of reading, in my opinion, that's gotten more roles in other people as well. So anyway. Um, my sisters get cast as uh, baby Jeannie Donovan, uh, Teresa Donovan on Days of Our Lives. So one of the okay. cast members had a baby and they were the newborn baby. There was a newborn and then uh, a month later it accelerated to where the children were a little bit bigger. Um, yeah. Just keep it on. My sisters mm -hmm. did two seasons, um, 91 and 92. Um, not every day, but, but you know, every week, weekly, every few days or so. Shooting mm -hmm. schedules um, for uh, soap operas, you're they follow this character for this day and then this character for this day and then they intertwine them later. So there'd be days they'd shoot Monday, Tuesday, and then they would be off until Friday. And then next week they do like Wednesday and Thursday. And then it was really sporadic. So um, there were times where uh, I, my mom got to where she couldn't keep a job. So th there came this time of, Hey, we want your children to be on this network television show every day. And my mom's like, Oh, that's great. But I have to work. Yeah. What do I do? And they're like, that's nice. So the way it works in Hollywood, when your children um, are actors, if you, if you can't maintain your job, your job becomes their job. So the money gets separated where a portion goes to the parent and a portion gets put in a trust for the children when they're of age. Mm. Um, that way, because there's issues in, in Hollywood where parents will just spend all the money and, and very known actors that have made movies about that. Now it's, it's, pretty intense that, that life happens that way. So yeah. um, I forget the name of the foundation, but they fixed that many years ago to prevent kids from working their whole life from children and not knowing you don't get all the social interactions at school you would get. When you're right. So, you know, you miss a lot of those things. Your first kiss and rude stuff like that is all staged um, from what I understand. So, um, so half the money comes to the parents or, or a chunk. I, I don't know the full, I'd have to ask my mom um, at all this. Um, she she had to leave her job and she was just taking my sisters to to set so um on lot four of nbc studios in burbank california that's where she would go and i would go to school and then um there were times i would go with her to set um and i remember being on set take my schoolwork because um, mm -hmm. i could i could leave school as long as i could do my schoolwork 
know, I couldn't just skip school. Um, right. On set, they have a tutor um, and any of the kids on the show, um, they always have uh, somebody to supervise, like a doctor or whatever, and then there's security um, to make sure you're okay. And then they have mm -hmm. a teacher. And basically, teacher sends you with schoolwork. So there were times I didn't want to sit in there and I would just sit. You can't really do this now, but I would sit behind the crew and just mm -hmm. do my schoolwork at a table. And my mom told me, just be quiet. She would sit there and watch and they would have my sister and she'd have the other one and they would do all their scenes. Um, I remember uh, a producer or director, don't quote me. I want to say the producer walking by eating an apple and stops and backs up and goes, <laughs> hey, and you could do this in the 90s. You can't do this now. Now there's yeah. people down the street to get on American Idol just to have a chance. Back then, just sitting there, he walked by and he said, hey, who are you? And I was like, I froze. My mom ran over. Oh, I'm sorry. Did he, did he mess up something? You know, what, what's wrong? Like he's with me. And he said, yeah. no, I love your haircut or something like that. I had a bowl cut, kids cut. <laughs> he said, we love, you know, what are you doing next week? And I was like, sure. You know? So basically um, just sitting on set, um, I had someone walk by and say, uh, we'd love you for this. And then um, from being on uh, one episode. So, my sisters, because they're on, there are certain episodes, um, like the Christmas episode, um, mm -hmm. where you can have uh, your brother and sister, if, if they kind of have the look and the feel and they can do things they want, um, you can get a chance to be on one of those episodes. So, um, so I pretty much got on Days of Our Lives because my sisters were on. Um, and then from there, nice. uh, just kept doing stuff. Um, I worked for Mattel. Mattel owns Hot Wheels um, as yeah. a kid. Um, oh, yeah. So I did Mattel. My best friend's sister was a Barbie hand model. Uh, and I went with them to do something and then uh, they were doing cars and it was the same thing, just kind of standing there. My mom hand wrote me a resume back then and um, I kind of just started doing stuff like that. I did Bugle Boy jeans. Um, I don't know if you remember Bugle Boy back in the 90s. There was a company that made jeans called Bugle Boy. They made hats and jackets and pants. Um, oh, I, I think so. Bugle like Boy commercial. Vaguely. So a lot of stuff I did was just from being in the right place at the right time and looking, having this kind of young boys look um so yeah that was the start of it and um i got to meet a lot of great people i i chat with every once in a while the Deidre hall and um some of the main cast um it's 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 been a great it was neat looking back being 10 years old and um i oh, yeah. i yeah the, the quality's terrible on it because it was that long ago and everything was vhs but uh yeah. I, somebody had played it recently of of me just singing we were singing merry christmas and and some other stuff on set it's just funny yeah. So anyway, yep. My sisters were on. I got on because of them. They had done a bunch of commercials after that um, because they're twins. And then, um, so we moved to Texas in '94. Mm -hmm. um, my mom moved from California to Texas. Cost of living, work, jobs, yeah. everything is very expensive. So um, when I got to Texas, it was like uh, I was very heat of the moment, you know, kind of very well known in my school. Uh, we're just had a lot of friends and, and living that kind of life of uh, being, you know, 11, 12 and just, you know, having fun. And then yeah. when I got to Texas, it was like, all right, no more, no more LA, no more anything. So we actually moved to, to Kerrville. Do you know where that is? Yeah. It's like an hour away. Um, and then uh, stayed there for a few years and moved to Austin, um, mm -hmm. and, uh, moved back to Kerrville. And then I kind of uh, went back and forth between my dad's and my mom's for a few years. So there was a gap mm -hmm. of time where I didn't do anything early teens and then I started doing theater um, and I played Raul de Cheney and uh, Phantom of the Opera for a while um, after that but yeah my start was uh was on days really weird like of all things a soap opera um, <laughs> at 10 so yeah 
it's been a it's been an interesting and i gotta say um that has helped me in texas when i first decided hey i want to start acting again um mm-hmm. i was 10 uh untrained you know I, I think i did a good job um but having that the location and the name of that show attached on my resume yeah um has really helped me um gain some respect and clout when i first wanted to get an agent and start acting again they were yeah. like all right most people just decide at some point they want to do acting and when i could go back and say hey i've been doing this since i was 10 it's been helpful to me so yeah i've been very blessed my mom pushed me to yeah, go on. Very thankful. Yeah, I know. Very <laughs> memorize thankful, that so. right now. Yeah, I know. It, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't care I tell what anybody that other lady said. <laughs> tell anybody going in for an audition, even if they tell you not to memorize it, do it, and just yeah. keep it for reference. But uh, that is the number one thing I've tried to tell some friends. If you're going to audition, um, memorize your line. That's wow. Like, have you had similar experiences all for things you auditioned for, um, knowing things up front or no? I've I've only auditioned for a handful of things. Um, I, most of my experience has always been behind the camera. And for me, it started in high school with, it uh, wasn't even a full like semester class. It was more like, I know some other schools have like actual AV class. At least I think so. Um, mm-hmm. Where I attended, it was more like, hey, here's laptops that we just got and some camcorders like here's the basics in a couple of days like here's a very brief rundown on you know if you're going to use music like and this was i mean a while back right so it was like where do you even go online to get music and you're burning ripping cds to get music but um it was really just like here's some gear Here's the minimal amount you need to get started. Like, go make something. And at the end of the semester, we're gonna have like family, friends, and you're all gonna show what you put together. And it was the greatest because there were no rules. Just don't break anything around campus and don't break the equipment. But uh, no one else wanted to, not as many people were willing to put in the time to figure out editing and what just find you know what is it uh iMovie at the time Mm -hmm. which arguably was better then than what I've seen now (laughs) or like last (laughs) time I even went into iMovie I was like this used to be so much easier now it's harder for some reason um but no so that's where I started in editing and for like a long time I was I've mostly stayed behind the camera or Mm -hmm. started editing and yeah. So mm-hmm. it's only been in the past couple years. No, no, I did a little bit. So I lived in Utah for a short period and there was a, a short film project. Someone, someone I knew who was someone else I knew was in the film. They were going to be on the project. Mm-hmm. And then they reached out and said like, do you know how to ride a horse? And I had heard before, like you just always say yes. So I was like, yes, <laughs> I've done the same thing. Yeah. And I've only ever been I on a horse, myself like, in <laughs> horse like once, um, uh, but same thing. it worked. <laughs> they just mm-hmm. needed people and I was available awesome. and I was willing to get on a horse. <laughs> um, so I think that was the first time, aside from like the student film projects, that was the first time of like 
being an actor in someone else's project, like someone I didn't know, right? It wasn't right. just like a, a friend in high school, because uh, I did a little bit of that, which was fun. I, I loved it. But when I was out in Utah, that was the first time. Um, other than that, it's been, I have auditioned for a couple things, but again, I was back in San Antonio and I tried, when I was in Utah, I tried to, I was, I tried to stay in Utah and they had just recently built the Park City film studio up near, up in Park City. Um, and it looked amazing and it was like huge. And so I wanted to move up there and be around that to just stay in it but other stuff didn't work out moved back uh to texas so yeah so i really haven't auditioned much just because i'd like to i'd like to do more um it's just i was back home in san antonio and oh, san antonio san antonio <laughs> and there's yeah. not a whole lot but uh so like when sidestep came up I did audition for, I don't know what role it was. I don't know if it was the lead role or not, but I, you did have to learn a dance. Mm -hmm. And then you Oh, I remember they sent it up. Yeah. yeah. And that was yep. a ton of fun. Uh, Cause I love to dance. I was, it was strange for me going to perform the dance, like knowing I, I know I did it. I know how to do it. Um, still had some of that to work to work through or work against in the audition. Um, so I'd like to audition more. I personally have not done much at all. It's always been more on the technical side. Oh, that's um, still good. So you're still doing, yeah, you're still doing stuff and have that yeah. creative drive. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, so you said I remember um you you did a lot of dance. I you were teaching me the dance they were dancing next to me telling me you did some of the choreography are you still doing any any dance stuff at all not not much so my background was more uh swing In oh fact, that's right actually, that's right i remember you told me that yes i actually taught some swing classes as a way to make some money in college as a because they need like students to teach stuff there at the university and so i did that for a time uh, which was a lot of fun, but that's most of what I knew, even though I lived in Texas, which is weird, right? But two-stepping and swing, like they share a lot of the moves. And once you pick up one, it's fairly easy to pick up the other. So that's, that's how I was able like, oh, okay, I think I got it. And then, but I tried hip hop when I was out in Utah. Mm -hmm. Totally different beast. Holy yeah. goodness. <laughs> it was so like I've done um I've done salsa because I'm actually half Puerto Rican and so like oh, a wow. lot of my mom's side of the family would do salsa and merengue. So I've done a little bit of that, but hip hop was like so different. They're like all of that other stuff, just throw it out. And <laughs> like, cause the tempo would change and um, you're not always moving at the same rate. That was the thing that always threw me off. But yeah, I think sidestep was the last, 
I think it was probably the last thing I auditioned for. Huh. Um, I might have done one or two other like really small things to audition. Um, yeah, just haven't. Was always much more behind the camera. Would like would like I love working behind camera, mm-hmm. and but I'd like to I'd like to be in front of the camera a little bit more too. Like I think mm-hmm. that'd be a ton of fun. It has been the few times that I have been. It's been a lot of fun. Being doing sidestep was a ton mm-hmm. of fun. Yeah, it um, was. Yeah, I remember getting to do a little bit of extra in that shoot. Do a mm-hmm. little bit of extra dancing, um, and I was like, I don't know. I felt good as I was like, yeah. yeah. Well, absolutely. You're one of the better dancers there. They gave you a partner, and uh, I remember. Yeah, took off. I think. Did you put your hat on? Or you had it on, and I can't remember. But you were out. You, you ended up getting one of the partners, and then going out and doing some more of the uh, the spin stuff. And as you guys were moving around, I saw. I don't remember if I had a hat. But yeah, it was. I actually was like, oh, this is what it feels like when you like yeah. you get a yes. Like, oh, sweet. Yeah. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I'd like to. I just from the opportunities, I was usually more of the instigator to be like, mm-hmm. try to get friends like, hey, let's go do something. But then it was me like doing the editing, right? Doing the more behind the scenes stuff, which still enjoy. But I would like to do a little bit more out in front. So um, Let's make something. Oh, there was something else. So you also mentioned the um, that other film project that you worked on, or you you produced, which was was it Finding the First Oil in Texas? The oh, short film. So yeah. So while I was on, I did a film with Andrew Brzezowski, um, who's the writer of uh, Lady and the Tramp now, the Disney film. So he shot an independent really? film um, before that. Yeah, um, his name is Andrew uh, Vajalski, um, and he, he's done a bunch of independent films. Um, okay. We shot a film in Austin at, uh, at a, it was a restaurant that was closed, and it was a, it's called a restaurant, you know, like the Hooters and Twin Peaks. It was a movie oh, about, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was a movie about what life is like for the girls. Mm. The, work there when they're not at work or when they're going on so it was a very um uh very focused more on them than than anything else and it was really fun um so i met the director there his name is jason leal um we were they dressed us up as army people um it was like a sergeant or something in the military i had to shave my face and i cut my hair and i had it bleached almost like a little flat top and um we had two other gentlemen that, that were acting with us in the army and um so i met this guy on set and you know, you have a lot of downtime sometimes in between whoever scenes it is. And he told me, Hey, I got this, uh, I'm kind of an indie developer, my uh, director myself. I got this uh, project I've been thinking on. I want to shoot a period piece. And I was like, what's that? He's like, uh, it's 1876, you know, like a Western. I said, well, that's great. You're, you're going to make this yourself. And he said, yeah, I'm going to direct it on my own. And I was kind of like, Okay, cool. I mean, I was happy. It just didn't seem, you know what I mean? I was, yeah. It's just an odd place to meet somebody who tells me they're a director, but you never know who you're going to meet, you know? So um, I've met fantastic people on set. So um, he was living in Austin, telling me he was moving to Houston. He was putting together a GoFundMe and a, a crowdsourcing to shoot a Western about the first oil in Texas, asking me what I knew about hmm. it and if I wanted to be in it. And I was like, absolutely. So... Um, <laughs> Um, so I always thought the first oil in Texas was found in West Texas. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't know that it was actually found in East Texas around the Beaumont. Area. Hmm. I had no idea until I started working with him, basically. So um, I was traveling, as, as I always am. I was in North Dakota um, working on an engineering project. And he called and said, all right, we got the funding. Um, we're going to start shooting. He just hadn't talked to him in months. Calls me and says, uh, you know, <laughs> we're doing it. We're making a, a, a period piece. And I'm like, what? So anyway, fast forward. Um, I, I auditioned for the lead role. Of, uh, so the lead is about a Tillo uh, Higgins, who was the first guy who thought there was oil in Texas. Um, hmm. He was a troublemaker in school, didn't even finish school, um, told people, hey, I think there's oil here. And they told him he was crazy. I guess they had geologists come out and said, there's no Texas in this area. Or there's no, I'm sorry, there's no oil on the coast. It's, it's, it's all elsewhere. Um, so then he met up with uh, Anthony Lucas. I'm sure you heard of Lucas Oil. Um, and they got together in his later years and did business and Anthony Lucas became very, very successful and Patillo Higgins ended up not being very successful. He got burned on some business deals and had a lot of challenges in his life. So um, Jason Leal uh, started the, so the, the film's called Spindletop the Beginning and it's a first of three um, and it's about mm-hmm. Patillo Higgins when he's a kid and how he was kind of a troublemaker and everybody told him you're never going to grow up to mount to anything. Uh, you know, you're going to be a nobody unless you get it together. And he grew up and kind of proved people wrong. Um, so the first one is a short um, period piece to kind of um, show what he can do and pitch and then to try to get it made into a feature film uh, mm-hmm. later down the road. So the, the star um, was a young, younger boy. I think he's 13 or 14. Um, and then in, in it, uh, that's Patillo when he's a kid. Throughout the, the film, there's two um, Union soldiers. Um, that are that are chasing him around town he shoots one of them with a slingshot and then he steals something and runs around so it's kind of a chase type of movie um, mm-hmm. and there's scenes in between so I auditioned for the the main union soldier um, and he told me um, all right we're good we'd like you to do it um, you know I was working on lines and everything and then the inevitable always happens with me it's hey uh, we need to shoot um, next week we need you here for rehearsal have to work you know I can't I took off uh it was going to be a four-day shoot um he's like yeah we're doing this two weeks early um so the way it kind of worked out I couldn't couldn't he changed roles um to a I'm sorry but anyway um I was still in the film I had a smaller role something I could do um within the allotted time and what was really um, more for this um, you need some extras of background um, I said my dad's cars and long hair and he's kind of looks of the time period so anyway um, the film is about the first oil in Texas about the person who found it um, and and the struggle he's got some great words that go on afterwards that tell kind of what happened to him as he got older um, and that was just ending hitting the first round of film festivals um, it premiered for the Houston Film Festival in December, um, and then it was on its way. Cause, you know, they take months in between. Um, yeah. It was going to go to the San Antonio one. Um, I think he had submitted it to South by Southwest, um, but they canceled everything. So yeah. I want to say it showed it too, um, and then it's been on pause ever since. So um, it's really fun. It's a fun movie. Um, when, I, when I read the script and watched it, I kind of thought, you know, like they are sometimes you think it's like this. And then when you see it at the end after it's edited and things are changed and music, mm-hmm. it has a different tone. But it's a really fun movie. It's got a, kind of a... It, it, it's almost not a comedy, but it's got a ton of funny parts in it. So um, yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to get you a screening of it. It's, it's cool. But uh, yeah, that was another gentleman, Jason Leal, Texas. Yeah. Texas 
grown, um, all about Texas, wanting to do things in Texas. Um, he lives in Houston. Um, he wants to do spindle top the feature. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, everything's again on pause. Um, and he's still doing the, the, uh, the, the round of festivals um, with the first one. So. Right. So what's, why the name Spindle Top? Oh, okay. So Spindle the Hill, where they first found oil, when they drilled. So gotcha. there's kind of like Bernie in San Antonio. There's a place called Spindle Top, Texas. And uh, where they first did oil, um, it gushed in the air for like a week straight. I don't know. How many millions of gallons? I, I couldn't give you all the details again, but basically they drilled, they finally had oil for forever, for weeks and weeks and weeks. So they built a rig around it. Mm -hmm. And then um, it became known as the spindle top fields, I guess. There were fields of oil rigs all mm -hmm. in that area. And it was, you know, the Texas black bulb. And then after that, they were kind of getting better at figuring out where oil was. And then you had the big boom in West Texas. Gotcha. Similar. So Spindletop, uh, the name of the, the area, the hill, and I, I think the person's land. I didn't know any of it until I started uh, talking to Jason and learning about the history. I didn't know the guy's name, uh, didn't know what happened to him, didn't know where. Um, so he, he, he wrote the script and it's got some stuff in there that's not true, but the, the events, the timelines are all factual. He just wrote the, the dialogue in between is, is his own. That's super cool. Yeah, that would be, that's such a shame that it, it, that it's not able to complete or keep going the rounds for the, mm -hmm. the film festivals to get, to get that recognition to then move on to become something bigger. Did, I didn't so even we think showed about it. it. Uh-huh. Good. We well, went to, so the first premiere was at Spindletop. There's a museum there and they okay. have a replica city that looks like uh, there's a general store and a saloon. Um, there's a small area, it looks like a city. It's all old buildings made to look like, a, like it did in the 1800s. And then there's a museum, you pay to get in and you can go visit, you can walk in the stores and they have people that walk around dressed in period clothing. Oh, cool. Um, so we did two showings there of the premiere um, and showed it here. Um, the people in the city were the most critical. It was a really big deal. We're gonna make Spindletop the movie and people that are lived in Spindletop, Texas for 80 years, um, it was a really big deal to, to get the buy-in of, of the locals and not have them you know, hate it, first of all, but really enjoy yeah. it and have fun with the film. And that was nail-biting. We went in, we played it, and I stood in the back, and you know, Jason was here, and all the crew and cast, and we had all these people that have lived there for their whole life. And, and we're kind of just wondering, all right, are they going to clap? Are they going to boo us out of here? Are they going to tell us <laughs> to, you know, they hated it? So, and it was a really, it was great. I, um, it, it was fantastically received. So um, very excited. We're happy we kind of, they kind of just did justice. I think Jason did a great job. That's phenomenal. Um, I'll, I'll get you a link to it. Yep. Yeah, that'd so, be fantastic. I, I think I'd it love showed it. once or twice. Um, it, it seems like things are going digital now. So that seems to be where things are going. I know it doesn't have the clout of the, the big screen, but a, a lot of stuff's now doing kind of what we're doing. They're doing digital screening. So I don't know what mm -hmm. that looks like going forward with that. So. Yeah, it is kind of nice when you could put like all the little olive branches right and like this film festival and selection at this film festival and this one and this one and this one but i wonder yeah our our film festival is just going to become sort of like a digital thing that you you still have to catch at a certain time i don't know it'll be interesting to see how that sort of pans out if that 
changes at all. Yeah, I'd so love to see it. That'd be great. Amazon offered to do South by Southwest digitally. Really? And that was going to happen. Yeah, they were going to put it on for four days or five or seven or something, and you could pay. I think Prime members get to watch it for free. Or it was this big event. Um, they were going to put all the films that were submitted on Amazon uh, on this called like South by Southwest Digital, and they yeah. had an, uh, a large amount of people pull out and say that they didn't want it to be shown. And I couldn't figure out why until I read several articles. And I guess there's a big, I haven't ever directed anything and put it on a big screen yet. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. hoping to um, soon. That's what I'm working on. But uh, I guess there's a really big uh, feeling of not wanting it to be digital. You put it on the big screen and you get that big showing and that feeling and that generates buzz. Mm -hmm. um, so they had a ton of people pull out. I don't know if it's going to happen anymore, but hmm. um, I'll have to send you the article. There's a, the big ones um online and uh some people are going for it i'm all for it if i could sit and have access to films from texas filmmakers uh, i would love to but i know some people they have reservations so what do you think about that how do you feel about digital um, film festivals i can say it is a lot of fun to see something for the first time with other people who haven't seen something that especially if it's something you're anticipating um so going back to when I was in Utah, I got to attend the Slam Dance Film Festival, which coincides wow. with Sundance. Mm -hmm. uh, happens at Sundance as well, which is kind of weird that there's two going on simultaneously. So when you're, so even though I wasn't at attending Sundance screenings, I was still around that sort of atmosphere and even going into the slam dance uh, screenings, getting to pick and meeting people and talking about, oh, which one are you going to go see? And what have you heard about this one? There is, there is an experience that happens outside of the screening itself and something that does when you start to hear multiple different people tell you that they're all going to go see X movie, then it does build intrigue. It does, there is a sort of, momentum and drama that can be built around a screening before it's even happened or then after right you finally get to go see it and you're like oh my gosh thank god people told me about this and because now i'm going to go tell everyone else that i know if it's going to have a second screening there it is an event and having it is fun and memorable to be part of that event and so i i do understand it's kind of like why why still bother going to ACL, you know? If you can just listen to people and stream everything in your own home, why why would you go? But to be somewhere live and hear everything live, it it is a very different experience. So it's tough, and I I don't know. It seems like one of those where unless you're in it, it's really hard to say because if you've put in months, possibly years of blood, sweat, and tears trying to make, pull your movie off and you finally get it. And then that's, that's part of the goal that you've been working toward. You, I can understand when someone says, no, that's, that's not what I worked for and feeling like they're getting shortchanged. Even if it's no one's fault, it's, you know, if you've stuck around something long enough and worked hard enough for something to, to make a, a movie, then 
you probably you probably had that as a very specific goal you want to be able to stand in the back of the room and see what people's reactions are while you're in that same room and get a reading of people uh and hopefully they like it so i guess my only question is if you don't do the amazon south by southwest or some some sort of equivalent how long are you willing to wait and what is going to be what's the alternative i guess if you're not willing to do that and of course you make decisions at the time with the best information you have so maybe that was the decision if people knew it was going to last this long if if conditions were going to last this long and possibly longer would they have still made the same decision you know if maybe at that time like a lot of us i myself included may have just thought you know give it a month we'll be back we'll be be back online if they had known then that it was going to last longer would they have made the same choice don't know um <clears throat> Yeah, I I I hesitate to say one way or the other cuz only because I'm not in those shoes and all I know is I would be I'd be conflicted being being on the outside and I lean toward I still want to see it if it's something that I was excited for or just to show support then yeah, yeah send me the link let, let me see it and then i'll share it with other people but i mean when when you <laughs> when you put in all those hours and that was your goal that's what yeah. you envisioned i can totally understand you know like uh no no i i worked for a goal i worked this hard to get here i'm i'm gonna wait so that's tough. It's really tough. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine. But well, Brian, it's been a joy and a pleasure and an honor. Thank you very Thanks. much for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's yeah. Great talking to you. Is there anything else you want to shout out or mention before we wrap things up? Um, you know, I just I'd like to say, and I went through this myself, hope that more people, whether you're directing, producing, doing sound, or an actor, an actress, or whatever you're doing in the industry, um, to take a chance and do it. Like, don't, don't wait. I was, oh, I can't do this until I have this kind of camera. I gotta wait until I get this. If I just have this next thing, um, then, I, then it'll work. Um, and, and I've been trying to get out of that shell as well. Just, just do it, and if it, you know, it's not, how it plans so what um just just go for the ride and, um, it's all practice yeah it's like yep yeah absolutely so no but thank you very much for having me on i really appreciate it absolutely i look forward to speaking to you again yeah thank yeah you very I'm much hoping to just keep talking to more people have people back on as we all keep building stuff working on stuff so yeah i'm glad thank you for saying yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank you for having me um i'll definitely get you in touch with uh with jason if you'd like to speak with him or or other people in the industry if you'd like i'd love to depending on what, what avenue you want to hit on Great. i'd love to well 
Have a great cool. night. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Peace. Bye.